0: This is Game Theory, our podcast about competition, strategy, and decision making, hosted by me, Nick Andrews, and my brother Chris. In this episode, Quitting Me Softly. If you've been on TikTok or Twitter in the past 10 days or so, you probably noticed some hullabaloo around something called quiet quitting. The term refers to the practice of doing your job and only your job, instead of going above and beyond your employer's expectations. Mainstream thinkers in the business world, like author Malcolm Gladwell and Shark Tank host and billionaire Kevin O'Leary, have been aggressively criticized for criticizing the 21st century worker, choosing a work-life balance over their careers. In a viral TikTok, Gladwell wondered what your life would come to if all you did was work from home in your pajamas. This issue is big for upper and middle management. If workers are now only doing the work they agree to, then productivity will plummet, causing a weird and systemic economic shift. The ideas behind this phenomenon are at the heart of game theory, the prisoner's dilemma and the traveler's problem. And if you're thinking this might cause America to fall behind our international economic rivals, you'd be wrong. Chinese workers are doing the exact same thing, only they call it something else. In this episode, we tell you why this phenomenon is here to stay and why we're seeing game theory cooperation happen before our eyes.
1: Welcome to Interesting to See, your podcast Um, uh, about strategy, sports, news narratives, takes, and
0: gambling. Yeah, college football preview show out in my uh daily sports. Anybody that like wants to participate in the sports conversation, but who doesn't have time to scroll on Twitter or Reddit all day? Uh yeah, I have a Nick does have time. I d- I Nick do. does
1: have a bunch of time. You got you got time in droves to scroll to scroll Reddit and Twitter and you've been doing ITS for a long time now, like over a year. Yeah, now. so
0: I started it uh before I moved, I want to say May of 2021. I should have started during the pandemic, but I uh <laughs> I didn't, and I didn't start Twitch streaming during the pandemic or TikToking during the pandemic, or, or otherwise I wouldn't have a job. I would have been successful at that. Uh, um, but yeah, I have a sports podcast that's like, it helps you like to talk, know what people are talking about so you can participate and also be like, oh yeah, I did hear about that guy that uh, received fellatio in public at a baseball game that happened in uh, Oakland during the day and was caught on camera. So that's my sports podcast. Don't worry,
1: don't worry, player three, you're not, you're not on ITS. <laughs> you are on... Game Theory, our podcast about strategy, competition, and
0: decision-making, right. you're in the right spot. That's unbelievable that you were able to say that now. With, I'm so proud of you. You've come such a long way as a, as a podcast host. This is unbelievable. Look at you. No, oh, Gee, thanks. I'll yeah. be practicing. Well, this, today's an emergency episode, um, and we'll we'll get into more of it as the episode progresses, but we had to discuss what's going on, and I wanted to do it today uh, on Thursday because I'm traveling to Canada on Saturday, and I... Tra- <laughs> And I know You're an exotic land of Canada. So you are now sexy in your culture. That's yeah, correct. Uh, I I keep seeing the shit online that Pearson International Airport in Toronto is a nightmare. So apparently the only one worse in like the Western world is in like the Netherlands. But it's such a nightmare. And I want to just describe what I'm calling the Vindaloop. For those of you who watch South Park, you'll know what that is, where like they just get caught in the the Facebook virtual reality loop. In Canada when you travel from Canada to Canada and then are but are outward bound to another country say the United States and you check bags the way that they do it is they corral you like cattle and then they make you wait until your bags are come through but if they don't if you miss your flight when you're corralled like cattle then you have to go back through customs so go through customs in Canada to go to the United States to board your plane but if you miss your flight then you've got to go through customs to get back to the airport so you can talk to Air Canada or whoever you're flying with. So people get are getting caught in this baggage claim, customs, customs, airport loop, and it's a nightmare. So that's to say that I'm flying to Buffalo and driving. <laughs> that's a wise, wise decision.
1: Yeah. The American side of Buffalo, or of, of Niagara Falls, rather, uh, really nice. Cool. Buffalo's, Buffalo's a great town, man. Buffalo's a great place to go. It's going to be sad to drive to Canada, although I'm told the Niagara Falls side of Canada is the better, or the Canada side of Niagara right. Falls, rather, is the better side but regardless, you're going to be going on an international journey, a journey
0: to celebrate nuptials for, for my wife's colleagues and uh, her her partner in crime. He is a surgeon. She is a surgeon. and They are curmudgeons. They're the old people that are like, get off my lawn. So they've been texting each other about this, the state of the world for years. And it's just so funny to watch them get mad at you. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. But I don't have time to do it over the weekend and do a bunch of research. Um, and so we're going to get into it. We just want to get right into it. There's a concept on the internet. Everyone is seeing it, Chris. It's called... Quote-unquote, quiet quitting. Now, quote-unquote, quiet quitting. You like that?
1: That's 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 it. Almost sounds like a marketing team is behind that yeah,
0: terminology. I yeah, almost. Well, people and their alliterations—they just can't not have them, Chris. They just can't not have people them. People love alliterations. So the, everybody understands the scoring. Arc. You and I are not going to talk to you like some douchey CEO. Like our mic, our, our our cameras are not high enough quality to go viral on TikTok or to sell a book. So no, please, please don't, no. please don't. Well, actually, you know, put this on TikTok. I don't get. Yeah, I, I know you don't. So we're going to talk about the, the game theory standpoint of this and what it like could possibly mean and just like some larger thoughts. And I don't mean that like if you see things going viral, one guy was like, when uh, single men are unemployed, that's when nations get overthrown. Fine. That's not where we're here. We're here to talk about the concept of the decision-making process between employers, employees, coworkers, colleagues, and, and all of that. So Chris, what do we know about quiet quitting? So what is it? So quiet quitting
1: is a term to describe what sounds to me like just doing your job. Mm. So there have been a lot of reports about this during this week that we're we're recording this here in the uh, last full week of August. And there have been a lot of news reports about this in just the last few days from like all the mainstream outlets, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, uh, Time Magazine, getting in on the action. And according to the to Time Magazine's report on this from a couple of days ago, quiet quitting is the concept of no longer going above and beyond at your job and instead doing what the job description requires and only that. So you can imagine somebody is told, you're going to come in here, do tasks A, B, and C, and that's what we're going to pay you for. But the unspoken expectation of that job is you're also going to be a team player. You're going to do team building. You're going to participate in all this morale stuff. You're going to do extra duties as assigned. That's a term that loves that people love to use in job descriptions because it means we can just do have you do whatever it is we want you to do and not really tell you about that. So in addition to tasks A, B, and C, the worker is expected to take on all this additional responsibility. Quiet quitting is flipping the script on that. And the worker is saying, look, my job description is to do these tasks that you've assigned. The rest of it, that's not in my job description. I'm just not going to do that. And really, it's kind of like a double flip the script, I guess, because... The term quiet quitting comes from what seems to me like a place of like resentment among leaders. Yeah. You know, so, so CEOs and, and middle and upper, upper managers kind of coined this term to describe employee behavior that they don't like. Mm-hmm. And you know, like there, there's an example, uh, Ariana Huffington, who is the founder of the Huffington Post and the CEO of Thrive, wrote in this LinkedIn post, quiet quitting isn't just quitting on a job. It's a step toward quitting on life. So the people who are doing the jobs and taking on less responsibility and drawing their own boundaries like the idea. And people who are not getting free labor out of people who have already signed contracts, they don't like it as
0: much. Right. So I, and we'll get into my personal experience. I've been on both sides of this where I went above and beyond. And now I'm not a quiet quitter. I do my job exactly right. And I'm not, I don't volunteer or anything. This. So I have been on both sides of the quiet quitting thing, where I have gone above and beyond for my job only for the reason to advance my career, and now I have a job where I'm very and comfortable. Now you're a lazy shit.: I do my job ex- if perfectly well, and I am free not to donate my time, and it makes me think, and I'm speaking for you, the voice of our generation and the greatest American thinker, perhaps of all time, the Joker, said it best in his 2008 <laughs> oh. uh, biographical oh, <laughs> Well, he said, "And I, this has actually dictated my his, life's choices." His 2008 career. biographical film. Are you are you talking about the Heath Ledger? Because that's the real Joker.
1: Feel. Correct. Like, oh, yes. Joker no. from the movie Joker isn't the real Joker. Uh, like I, Joaquin a Walking Phoenix, Phoenix.
0: To me, that was an homage to Heath Ledger because he and will honestly, only he will he's the only the only Joker I acknowledge. But in 2008, the movie came out. Everybody liked it. There's a line in there that everybody talks about: uh, "If you live long enough to see yourself, whatever." The line that really has changed my career path is when he said, if you're good at something, never do it for free. Fucking A, man. Like, do not donate time to your company, ever. So I'm on board. I, I think you and I are in alignment or in agreement where employers, specifically the higher up the chain and like how more famous they are, they are starting to want people to do more for the same amount. And that's the concept. And it seems to have come out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if, if uh, this is another example of, a trend that existed before the COVID-19 pandemic and was accelerated by it. That that seems to be kind of one of the main takeaways from the pandemic is that there were a lot of patterns in place beforehand that were exacerbated by society slowing down, people stopping doing what they were doing. And like the kind of inertia was halted by this external force and trends that had, con- had begun really could continue in earnest. And this seems to me like one of those things. Like we see a lot more remote working for white collar jobs. We see a lot more people kind of moving away from cities and and out toward like suburbs and even smaller towns and and rural areas. And we also see a lot of people who are willing to draw lines between what is considered good, acceptable work and what is considered to be going too far in terms of what the employer is asking the employee. And I I, I personally think that's a good thing. You know, it, it is strange to me that well, I, I guess it's not strange to me that CEOs and managers and stuff don't, don't like they you know they use this term quiet quitting as like kind of pejorative to describe the way people are doing their job. So it makes sense from like a bottom line point of view. But it's really kind of disconcerting to think that there may have been some portion of the American economy. If this is like a yeah. widespread cultural thing in the American workplace, if there was some expectation that people were just doing labor for free and the American economy it, economy is like built on that. That's kind of upsetting and scary. I I still I I'm I'm with you. I think it's a good thing for workers to be setting boundaries and doing what they're supposed to be doing. And you know, if you want to hustle, go ahead and hustle. But it shouldn't be the expectation that you just go and above and beyond because you can or you should. Uh, you know, this isn't a sports movie. This is people's livelihoods. Yeah, and yeah. You know, it's it, it's very important, I think, for people to uh, to know their worth and do in this one specific singular case. Follow the example of what the Joker said, and if you're good at something, never do it for free. And to be clear, we should never, ever, ever no, idolize the it. Joker. Like, yeah, that's it. Player three, I'm speaking directly to you right now. If you idolize the Joker for any reason, you're misunderstanding the point of the character. So please stop. Reconsider yeah. your life choices.
0: Uh, he's a villain, not an antihero. It's fine to be fascinated by antiheroes, but he's not yeah. an antihero. He's a villain. That's he's a piece of thing. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He's a terrorist. So... But that that kind of really framed the way I look at this. Now we're going to get into the game theory aspect of this because there are two game theory things happening right here. And there, one is that we talk about them endlessly: prisoner's dilemma, which is like is game theory, it's and a then basis, also yeah. the, tra- the the traveler's problem, which is a really fascinating thing that I've I've liked a lot and has been studied, and not quite as famously, but has also been studied quite a bit. Now I wanted to mention a couple other things. The first thing is that this goes beyond the, we think of quietly quitting, and it and, and it's it's like a corporate America person sits in their cubicles and, and does emails and reports and stuff all day. You and I have jobs that are kind of like that where computers and we talk to people and that kind of thing. Um, the other part of this that's happening right now is that unskilled labor, quote unquote, is just falling off a cliff and people are moving back in with their parents. They're doing, they live with their spouse or whatever. And they're like, I'm not in a rush to get a shitty job. And so unskilled labor is nobody's applying for these jobs. Nobody wants it. That's what everybody's short staffed. I like the, COVID subsidies have run out. So people are not getting like welfare and unemployment and things like that stuff has run out. So people are just don't want to do this shit anymore, which is really fascinating. So I, I can't get too much into it because it's too close to my career and I have contracts and things. But I work in an industry that covers the senior housing industry, which is all about, you know, old folks homes, uh, independent living communities, assisted living communities, they're having difficulty staffing people because people just don't want to do it. And they're competing with like Target who can pay more. And you're seeing all this stuff with unions at Starbucks. They don't want to do it. These are related. Quietly quitting is, quiet quitting is not that, but it is a similar mindset where like, I don't want to do this for you. Now you are correct in that this is an old concept. It started in the eighties, at least this unskilled labor thing where people stopped having, trades or skills. And they started to just do kind of meaningless tasks for people who did have the skills. You think of the person at Walmart who stocks shelves or the person who makes coffee. The trend of those people not wanting to work at those jobs and people who are quiet quitting and sending healthy boundaries at work, these are related. And I kind of want to break into both of these. But the last thing I want to say is this is not an American only problem. This is currently an enormous problem in China. Enormous. And it's called Tang Ping.
1: Tang Ping, what is the definition of Tang So I don't Ping? know
0: exactly the translation, but Tang, Tang Ping and the, the Eastern Asian term for quiet quitting is called laying flat, right? So this is the exact definition for Tang Ping laying flat it is a lifestyle and social protest movement in China that began, <clears throat> this term is not old, it began in 2021. It's a rejection of the societal pressures to overwork. Wow,
1: in, in Apparently, China that's happening. It's a
0: bigger problem there than here. Yes. Wow.
1: What what's it, it, there's there's some kind of there, there's some kind of like three number thing. It's like it's like six nine six, nine, six. nine or something. Nine 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 six, and, and and that has to do with the number of hours that people are expected to work. And the number, like, I forget what the second nine is, but they're expected to do that like six days a week, like, constantly, constantly. Like, do, you, do you know what the three? I have it the pulled up. Let's see for? right here.
0: Uh, pressures to Work. Oh, it has its own Wikipedia page. That's like a 996 working hour system. The 996 working hour system is a work schedule practiced by some companies in the People's Republic of China. It derives its name from its requirement that employees work from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days per week, a.k.a. 72 hours per week.
1: Yeah, that that that's crazy. I mean, it's basically just double Correct. the amount of time that we're spent on labor. And so so if you're the Chinese yeah. Communist Party and you want maximum productivity, your economic growth is your like main asset. It's your main way to bring China to the center of the world stage and usurp American Western power, or whatever. You want people working. You want people producing things by virtue of doing labor. So the Chinese Communist Party doesn't like this this Tang Ping. Idea. This lying flat. Uh, in fact, uh, their internet regulator actually is ordering online platforms to strictly censor and restrict posts that mention Tong Ping or that like mention people like high-profile names of people who are associated with Tong Ping. Uh, it, it's it's amazing because it, they're transparently censoring the idea of people doing less work for the right. sake of doing work and. You know, to, to to me, that cuts at the heart of like what is the Chinese Communist Party's Chinese Communist Party's purpose, but it also speaks more generally to like work culture on the whole. Like, people who are in power want to ex- extract as much as they can from those over whom they exert power, and the Chinese Communist Party has the state apparatus to do it. In America. Fortunately, we don't have uh, that that same kind of governance structure. So instead, we hire marketing teams to come up with terms like quiet quitting and try to, like, shame workers into doing more and being a part of the team and pulling their weight. Do you know
0: why it's called laying flat?
1: Uh, No, but I'm imagining some guy. I'm imagining some guy just in China sitting up one day deciding, you know
0: what? I'm not going to work from nine to nine and nope. just lying. That's in what I thought too, but that's my American mindset. The I, It's called laying flat so that when you get beat for not doing your job, you lay flat to just act apathetic like you don't care about being beat. Yeah. Incredible. So
1: it's like the beatings will continue until morale improves. That's like, okay, I've resigned yep, to accept Exactly. The They're like,
0: then. fine, fuck them. Hit me. Yep. Wow. Which is insane pushback wow. from the Chinese culture. That is wild to me. But that's a different... China yeah, is a remarkable. different thing that we can do another day, perhaps. So <laughs> we're going to let's get in. <laughs> Yeah, we'll do we'll do a podcast all about China. You'll be yes. an expert. By the time uh, yeah, there's, there's really not much to go over. So <laughs> we're going to talk about the the game theory aspect of this, which to me is the most fascinating part. So this has blown up in recent weeks for two reasons. White people, two rich white people got on the Internet and talked about why they think that you should do stuff, one of which was Malcolm Gladwell, who all of our dads liked a lot he he was on this podcast and he was talking about how you shouldn't work from home you should want to go into the office you should want to be a part of something which i will tell you under no circumstances will i ever be working from an office again the the, the my number to go into an office on a daily basis is over a quarter of a million dollars a year and it is not negotiable i don't give a shit so if, if anybody out there is hiring and you need correct. a snarky
1: podcast host for yep two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year office, yeah give give nick
0: actually you know what skip him give me a two, call well, to there you go to like i said i I'm not negotiating. I, and the reason is, and this is what's so fascinating to me is because the, the definition of the pursuit of happiness for so long and for so many generations was to grind out a life that was not dictated by the rich gentry of Europe. That's why America was founded. You could theoretically become rich here. So pursuing happiness was having a house, having land, eventually getting the right to vote for, for marginalized groups of people, being equal, all, practicing your religion. Now the pursuit to happiness is like actually pursuing happiness, spending time with your family, enjoying your hobbies working to live instead of living to work, which has always been something that you you hear on sitcoms uh, from CBS in the 70s and the 80s or whatever. But now people are like, yeah, actually. So I think this is just my take before we get into the game theory stuff that the pandemic kind of allowed all of us to have groupthink for the first time. Ideas spread incredibly quickly from Twitter and TikTok. And everybody was like, hey, we can all band together to just kind of do something without there being a purpose like a union. Everyone's like, yeah, I agree with you. I think that we can do whatever. And then because of working from home as a necessity from the pandemic, two things happened. Thing number one is everyone was it was shoved in their face the word non essential, which them to their brain was like, You know what? My job doesn't really matter at the end of the day, which is a great way to pop your cherry and be like, Yo, what am I doing? The second thing is they're gonna find, spend fucking time with their kids. They didn't have to sit in traffic for an hour a day to commute. Their lives had more meaning on a daily basis and <clears throat> paying two extra dollars an hour might matter. To some people, but more people clearly are saying like, you know, time is a resource that you can't make up, bro. And like, I'm going to spend four years of my life driving to and from work over a 20 year job. Fuck off. Yeah, so there's this book by uh, Robert Putnam,
1: groundbreaking sociological study called Bowling Alone. And Robert Putnam is, he's one of the most prominent, one of the most famous social scientists in America, just really brilliant guy. And this book Bowling Alone discusses the thesis that basically since 1964, for whatever reason, that was like the nadir of American social capital and connectedness. People were more involved, more engaged, more community-minded, and just American social fabric was stronger than ever in, in that year. And for whatever, for a variety of reasons, actually, that he identifies, that social capital has been slowly eroding Mm -hmm. over time to where now he wrote it originally in 2000, but he wrote a a revised edition and published it in 2020. He said now basically Americans are less connected than ever. They're less together than ever. And their sources of social capital are fewer and farther between. And one of the things that he identified about the effect of work on social capital was that in the eighties and nineties, I don't know where, what the origin of these terms is, But he said concepts like right-sizing a business and lean and effective management and agile business strategies worked their way into an economy that was increasingly based on information and developing ideas, like essentially like proto-content, rather than purely based on manufacturing or building stuff to win the war or, or whatever the case is. And with these business strategies came an upheaval in the way that Americans basically got their investment of social capital because- Previously, it, jobs and unions were a major, major source of American social life. Uh, a lot of, like, social clubs and interest groups were formed at the, work, at the workplace. There was a lot of synergy between workplaces. The Philadelphia Eagles. Know, there the was Eagles. a lot of synergy. The, yes, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, like, they, that, that they, it's not just because people in Pennsylvania like birds. Mm-hmm. It's because of the labor union that, uh, that uh, coalesced in Philly in the 1930s. And... This source of social capital started to dry up when lean and effective management and right-sizing corporations came in vogue in the 80s and 90s because as people who entered the workforce went to like middle and upper management, they started realizing, well, we can save a bunch of costs if we start saving on, empl- on paying employees. And if we decrease the number of people we have working for us, we can still probably maintain productivity, but we can increase our profit margins by decreasing the cost of labor. And that introduced a wave of unstable business practices especially in white collar where people could just out of the blue walk into the office one day and be told well we're having a reorg and we're cutting your division so you're no longer with the company so now not only is it prudent for americans to stop investing their whole personality and whole of of like financial well-being into this one job but it's also prudent for them not to get too connected to their neighbors like in the physical workspace or on the team that they're administratively mapped to because at a moment's notice, they could be axed from the company. And even if, the, even if they like survive, so to speak, the cuts as the company becomes more lean and agile and blah, 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 they could be reorganized and remapped and located in different places or mapped to another person administratively. And so the very weak ties that existed in the first place, don't have time to strengthen, they don't have time to to coalesce. And what that incentivizes people to do is go into work, stop trying to make extra, extra workplace connections, stop trying to develop social capital, shut up, keep your head down and do your job. And that isolates the shit out of people. And so that to me, is reflected in what we're seeing today in this trend of quiet quitting where people are realizing, look, it's not in my best interest to like bring my whole of personality to work. It's not in my best interest to try to make something more of this job than is originally written in the job description because without notice, I could be reorged, reshuffled around, relocated, or fired because some middle manager had to meddle in something and reach their performance goals for right. institutional change. And that, those kind of bullshit metrics that drive a lot of, like, American business in, like, in the middle and upper management circles, that incentivizes employees to shut up, work, and then leave right. when the yep. job is done. It,
0: it completely does. And as someone who's been cut before, and my anti-besmirchment clause runs out very quickly, so we're going to learn about a company called uh, Medical Landscape, I think would be a good name for it, so... That expires soon enough. We will have that discussion one day, I promise. Uh-huh. So we're, the
1: smirchment
0: clause. The we're cousin of it. Santa Claus. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There's going to be the, the clauses. The clauses coming out. Okay, regardless, I think uh, that, that's exactly right. So like isolating people, putting them in their cubicles. And what that does is, is it reduces people's connectivity, which makes it shitty. Then the pandemic happens. And we're in this mindset. Even in the these United States, for at least a couple of weeks, everyone was like, in complete lockstep agreement for the first time that I can remember it'll be one of the only times in human history that everybody was knew what was going on and agreed which is fucking crazy so when that happened it kind of like brings this mindset of like yeah we can agree on stuff so let's take a talk to the two game theory concepts everybody knows the prisoner's dilemma we will brief you in a second if you forgot I want to brief on the traveler's problem because it is a little bit more complicated and it's not as famous. The traveler's problem is two people are traveling on an airplane. They each have the same uh, carry-on luggage. Let's call it a golf club. And the golf club is identical, and, but they don't know whose is which. And the airplane lost it and they ruined it. So they're going to tell the people, we're going to reimburse you. And they ask them, okay, how much was the golf club worth? And they're like, well, how, how do we protect against them lying and saying it was worth $1,000 when it was really worth $100? We're like, well, the person who goes lower, they'll give that amount, but then we'll also give them a $2 award. For telling the truth. So let's say if you lose your golf club, I lose my golf club. They ask you, hey, Chris, how much is worth? You're like, it's worth a hundred. I say, well, it's worth 99. And they give me $101 and they give you $99. So like basically the same, right? What researchers have found, right? Mathematicians will tell you, theoretically, you should say something like $1. Like that's the lowest you can go. And like, that's what the company should be able to, to, to negotiate you down to. But you know, and, and, we, and,
1: and player three, we talked about that mm-hmm. idea before yep. when, when you don't know when a competition is going to end, it's in your best interest to take things to the logical extreme and like stop cooperating right away. Right. So in this case, it's in your best interest to go to the theoretical minimum value because that's the only way to get the reward and like make sure you get more money.
0: Right. And they have you competing without you knowing that you're competing, which plays into this this beautifully. What sociologists have found and they've studied this a couple of times, it's not a ton, but they, they found that people will pull out of this contest they'll be like, well, we'll give you 75. And the guy's like, sure, good okay. enough. And like, they'll both bail and like, well, people haven't figured out the game that this is happening. No, maybe they have. They just don't care. Like, I just want this to be over. Or like, I'll take 70 bucks. Fuck, that's way better than having to deal with you again. That kind of what-
1: sounds like, uh, like in the first Captain America movie when they're in the basic training and the guy's like, nobody's gotten that flag all down from the pole in <laughs> 17 years. And then scrawny little cap walks over and takes the pole out or takes like the pin out of the pole and it just falls to the ground he's like all right i got it Like he's not playing by the same rules but right. he still wins the game right it's like oh no don't you want to try to climb the flight like
0: no fuck no, that i got the flight right so that's what's happening here to me the tra- so the prisoner's dilemma of course is when they get two people who are essentially caught for a crime in different rooms and they get them to kind of rat on each other right and i have I have a solution that I think this is happening for the prisoner's dilemma. We'll get that into, this, into that in a second. With, with the traveler's problem, what's happening is that it, it's, there's this undercurrent of you being punished for not going above and beyond. And if you could prove that you're theoretically fired for doing way more than you should be asked to legally, you would have grounds for wrongful termination. But this kind of unspoken do what you're asked or will fire you thing, even though it's egregious, people are, have now collectively pulled out of the contest. And they're like, no, you won't. You won't do that. None of this is going to happen. And now because people aren't in the office who so bring it full circle, this work from home thing, you can't be watched 24 seven. So productivity is finally well, what it should or, be.
1: Or can you, Yeah. there's a real problem out there with productivity software, but a, a buddy of mine at work was telling me a story about another friend of his who works for a different company. And so this is like a third hand story, but he said this person was just doing her job, blah, 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 working from home, had a nice setup, got to spend time with the kids, got to take care of stuff at home. Still, every bit is productive in terms of like work metrics, but just was able to work from home and live much more comfortably. And one day she got a notice of her direct deposit for her check. And she saw that it was a lot less than she expected it to be. So she took it up with payroll and said, what the heck is going on? And the response was, well, we only pay you for hours that are productive. And she found out that they have installed software on her work computer that takes a screenshot every 10 minutes, takes a screenshot of the thing that she's working on right there, and it takes a screenshot from her webcam. And it says if, it, if she's not in the webcam engaged with the computer, and if the thing she doesn't have open, if the, if the window she has open isn't Microsoft Word, Excel, or Outlook, then they don't pay her for that 10 minutes. Uh-huh. And it doesn't matter if she works the nine minutes and 50 seconds up to that picture. What matters is if she's present for the picture. And it's like, and it's not every 10 minutes exactly. It's, it's, they they right. try to catch you. Right. But uh, the rise of... At home work monitoring software is a huge, huge problem. Frankly, it's bullshit. But you know, we, don't, we we should do that another another time. But there are ways for people to do that. And like, th- this is getting into like the the idea of presenteeism, where like people are less productive just for being where they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. even if they would be more productive. But like, like if you're sick don't come into the office presenteeism would have you come into the office and just be a piece of shit and like you can't focus because you're miserable or whatever right or like it doesn't matter if you can work from home and be as productive what matters is that your middle manager knows that your ass is in your seat at the appointed time and like the the bottom line is like i control the worker not the worker is producing what i want them to produce
0: right so what everybody's figured out is that middle management are the people that are useless here yeah <laughs> which is fascinating yeah, so anyways like real That's a great segue to this concept, which is like pulling out of the contest. Everybody like, so you're like, oh, well, like you're going to screw me. That person then leaves that job because the job market is good for like theoretically their skill. And they're like, fine, bye. Eventually people are going to be like, you're doing this and I'm not taking the goddamn job. Bye. Yep. like And then and like, well, well how are you going to eat? Like, I don't know how people are doing this financially, but we have figured out that paying people so little, apparently they don't need it. They can band together. They can get married. They can live with their parents and they can do other jobs. So what I, I was mentioning earlier that I, I, I cover the senior housing industry, and this is fascinating. There are two things that are happening now. There's a payday software. Essentially, the company will take a loan on the employee's work. If the employee can't get paid the second they're off work, via direct deposit. And if they can't decide when they work, they're not taking jobs, period. Like I wake up on Thursday, like I don't want to work today. I'm not fucking coming in. And if they yeah. fire you, you're like, okay. So they're like, I- I'm down for 20 hours this week. I don't know when, maybe like uh, Thursday, I'll be, I'll work on Thursday. And employees are like, well, no, we have you scheduled for this. They're like, oh, no, you don't. And when they clock out, literally when they clock out within 10 minutes, if they don't have their money, they're not coming back. They want to get paid that second.
1: Well, and, and it's hard to blame people. I mean, yeah. you sign a contract to do a job in exchange for pay. Like, that's that's how labor works. It's not like, you, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be one of these, like, oh, yeah, back in my day. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it seems to me that uh, it should always have been reasonable to expect to be paid in exchange for goods yeah, and services. Day. Like, that's how, like, the, the employer is purchasing labor from the employee. Right. I, I mean, you can't just, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to go to Walmart and get groceries on Monday, but maybe I'll pay you back in a couple of weeks. Like, you no, know, right. that's bullshit. Right. Like, you exactly. should be paid the moment, to, the,
0: yeah, like, on demand. Right. And like payroll and this and that. And people are like, no, if I, if yeah. I can't have it. And then once some person offers that, they all have to right? Like target and Starbucks now if, if the senior living industry is offering that then target and, and Starbucks have to otherwise those workers are going to go over there and that's unskilled from a skilled labor standpoint people are choosing time with their kids and this is this is my personal anecdote for, uh, for like how what happened to me so I went above and beyond and was working well over one and a half to two times what I was required to do because I really was passionate about the the subject matter I was passionate about the the work it was podcasting and whatnot and I got increasingly frustrated that I wasn't in more control and things weren't going the way I was. And then of course it was was reorganized and I was cut. And what I found was that like, perhaps I could have pitched myself better. Perhaps I could have like made ways in my career and things had been going better. But then I also came to the realization that like, yeah, but also like, who cares? At the end of the day, the purpose of a business is to make money for the people that own the business. And that's yeah. either state shareholders who are in a publicly traded market, private equity, or the private owner. Like the person who owns the company is trying to earn a profit. They're paying you to help them earn a profit. So I only got things, and it's a little bit different for me as a journalist because my name is on things. And like theoretically, I can advance my career for how more impressive my work is and it's available in the public domain. But that's still not enough. Like it's not like, here's your thing and you can have this or whatever. So for, in my brain, what I figured out was that I don't, if you don't want to figure it out, I'm not going to go above and beyond to help you. So my current work, I am a writer and a reporter. I take that seriously. I write my stories. I file them on time. I cover the industry. I make connections. I have extremely well-honed skills on camera. I have well-honed skills on mic, and I am very, very good at public speaking. (laughs) Well, with makeup, anybody can do it. This is all touched up.
1: Makeup, touch up. Yeah, yep. thank God for that. Otherwise, we would be in bad shape
0: here. But you will never hear me pitch my employer about things we could be doing. I'm not going to willingly walk in and be like, here's more work that we could do to do a good job for the company that I will do for free.
1: Nope. Yeah, except- because a lot of times what what ends up happening is, like, that stuff, like like those ideas, it's like, oh, yeah, we could do this initiative to start changing the way we file our papers or we could have people put cover sheets on TPS reports, blah, blah, blah. Like, that ends up becoming somebody's hobby horse. And it, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it'll become a fully-fledged program. Maybe the corporate office will decide to fund it for whatever. it But it lives and dies with the person that brings it in. And, you it, know, it, 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 it's amazing to me how, like... In order for executives to succeed, in order for people who have been putting in the time for years and years and decades at, at one job or another, if they want to rise to the level of the executive, if they want to continue to advance their own career, one of the most common metrics is, like, how do you drive change? How do mm-hmm. you change things the way they're doing? And, like, I think it's because of this, like, obsessive mindset with, like, oh, well, if you're not adapting, then you're already behind. But, like, it's also true, I think, that change for the sake of change is not good And it's having deleterious effects on like the well-being of workers, like people who people who are doing the labor and producing the value at like the working level, not the managers, not the people who are like shuffling around names and personnel, but the level of people who are like actually performing value productive work like that leads to unpredictability. It leads to a lack of stability and it drives them into these like small like cordoned off sections of their workplace where the only thing they're incentivized to do game theoretically is to do the bare minimum, or as I like to say, do a hundred percent of their job description. Yep. And that's it. And so it's, it's people like to like, uh, you know, managers and coaches and stuff love to say shit like culture eats strategy for breakfast. That's probably true, but you can't, you can't build culture by requiring that executives drive change just for the sake of change. Right. Like if, if one of your metrics for success is like I fucked thing I fucked with things for like a whole year like I tinkered with the system I drew a reorg I mm-hmm. instituted a new pro- like blah 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 if that's one of your determinants for success you're confusing product you're produ- you're confusing action with progress like you're just doing things for the sake of doing it and that just stirs the pot it doesn't yep. necessarily need lead to improved like Business acumen, it doesn't necessarily lead to higher profit margins. doesn't necessarily it, it certainly doesn't lead to a better culture in the workplace. So that leaves CEOs and, and business managers wondering like, well, what can we do to stop this? Like how can we reverse this trend? And I think the most obvious solution is right in front of people. just pay more. Yep. So, so uh, in uh, in an email to NPR, this guy Ed Zitron is he's a he, he runs a media consulting business uh, mostly for like tech startups, and and then he publishes a newsletter and stuff. In it it, it, it emailed to NPR. He said, if you want people to go above and beyond, compensate them for it. Give them two hundred bucks. Pay mm-hmm. people for the extra work. Like, just purchase more of people's labor. Like, that's how you get people to go the extra mile. And, like, it's not enough to like recognize people with pizza parties and like little like in name only awards next to their like that's 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 like kitty stuff like pay adults for the labor that they're producing and incentivize them to produce more yeah
0: i'm so glad you said this like i said and you can I, maybe i'll click to some of the articles i've written about this in the senior living industry the labor problem all of them have come to the one conclusion that the only thing that really works to fill positions quicker with more qualified employees is to fucking pay more, more yeah, like, yeah i mean it's like, it's
1: it's very simple like pay yeah. more money compensate right. people better
0: Right, it's exact I mean, that, that's that's exactly right. And like, it's it's tough because, like, well, my margins on the better line, like, mm. the Providence Health System in uh, the the Northeast on I ninety five just sold for like a billion dollars, and the the CEO got a fifty four million dollars bonus for the sale. And I am like, why can't we get any nurses? These travel nurses, like, well, uh, they probably take some of that. They probably take a little bit of that. They come in. I bet they try harder. I like right now. My boundaries are at. My work day ends at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I log out of my email address. And by the way, from, the, from a privacy standpoint, my computer webcam will never be visible in my home, ever under any circumstances. I have it Except
1: taped. for the YouTube recording of Game Theory, which you can find
0: on youtube.com yes. slash Game Theory. Bob. I go to meetings on my personal computer, and I do it on a browser, so that like, it's a little bit safer situation. But the webcam on my work computer will never be open in my home.
1: And that's uh, player three. Cannot recommend that enough. Cannot recommend that you tape over your webcam. Like just, just don't do it. Yeah, you know, Nick, this this is like calling to mind the. the great, the 2006 cinematic masterpiece, The Pursuit of Happiness.
0: Mm, it, it,
1: yeah, it's like, I, I don't know if it's like the end of an era or emblematic of an era. I, I don't really know how to describe where this movie sits. You know, it's based on a true story about this guy named Chris Gardner. Uh, it takes place in 1981. I mean, the guys, the guy starts off as like a medical equipment salesman or something. And like, game, yeah. yeah, and I, I think a lot of people, <laughs> yeah, pyramid, multi-level marketing, yeah, it really was. But, yeah, a lot of people who like, who like live on quotes about success and talk about like lions and opinions of sheep and like that kind of bull, like, you know, you know that kind of vibe where it's like, I eat breakfast before you've had a chance to think about blah, blah, blah. Like right. people who live on the, the masculine version of live, laugh, love basically want, the pursuit of happiness. They want that story to be the way everybody just acts because it's voluntary giving over a value that can be exploited by somebody else. Right. There's a difference between hustling to succeed and doing your best and you know performing good work and like just giving things away for free and like running yourself ragged for the sake of like I don't know making some middle manager feel like you're a good source of value or something. Like it's it it's a shame that. That story is so emblematic of this, this work, this quiet quitting movement and like the, the cynical kind of pouty response to it on behalf of like executives and, and middle management. But, you know, yeah. So I have a couple I, thoughts I, and we'll I, get I out of here. I think it's a good thing to like, to put in effort and do your yes. best and, and try to succeed. But, uh, doing that just because somebody says you have to have your ass in your seat from nine right. to 6 PM every day, like that's, that's nonsense. That's not, that's not good.
0: Right. And I, I really like to give a shout to Twitter and TikTok for having people like encourage each other to kind of do this, which is great. couple quick thoughts and we'll get out of here. The first thought is, is that like for the most part, what's happened for years and years and years is we've been put into this, this weird kind of passive aggressive competition with one another. I, I play golf with a group of guys. One guy doesn't take mulligans and it's like this weird thing. Like he's like, no, I don't care if you do, but there's no way that he can say it to say like, oh, I don't care if you take a mulligan. That's what's sort of been happening in the workplace. You're like, well, this guy's going above and beyond, so maybe I should. Now everything is like, you're not pressured to go above and beyond. If you want to do things just because they make you happy, like I I did what I did at my old job because I really liked it and I wanted it to succeed and like that was what that mattered to me. It wasn't like I wanted to climb the ladder. I just liked what I was doing. That is a different kind of motivation than like, oh, I want to climb the career ladder and you have to ask yourself. This happens in media a lot. So I, I was baptized this at a very young age in my career. I was like 18 years old where people will imply if you kill yourself, eventually it'll be your turn. It fucking won't. It won't. No. It won't. They're not going to let you do that but they want you to keep trying to do that. And remember for the people who are like Malcolm Gladwell, who's on TV, who has financial incentives to keep you in the building at his job, that he owns the building because he does not He has to pay more taxes. If it's less than 80% occupied, that's what this is about. Goldman Sachs you fucking assholes. So it's not about like we workplace culture. Like no, the state of New York is going to take more money if there's not occupied.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's how Total much can bullshit. I reduce my rent and property overhead yes. costs? Correct. So, you, so get your ass in there where I can
0: control you and keep my prices low. Right, exactly. And Elon Musk was going to do that, like, mandatory so that he didn't have to lay people off and have to pay them severance. Duh. Like, this is so so obvious. But the the most important part of this is I call it the lawyer solution, which is in the name of the prisoner's dilemma. When they go in there and they're pitting these people against each other, they if you play the game with the people who are telling you to play the game, either you will win or lose, or maybe you'll both get fucked, there is a solution in these United States, and that is lawyer. Yep. Like, lawyer. And if they're like, well, we're going to prosecute you, like, prove it.
1: Get a Prove lawyer, it. absolutely.
0: Yeah. Prove it, and the fact that this is going on in China and stuff—it's—it's it's really a, a, an interesting time. Like you said, marketers came up with this alliteration, Chris. Well, we're hopping on the trend. Hope the algorithm finds us. Listen to our podcast. That's right.
1: Quiet, quit your way right into Game Theories, Player Three family. Listen to us wherever you are. We have a subreddit. Blah blah blah. We have a subreddit.
0: We have a subreddit, Game subreddit. Theory Pod. John Reddit. slash John.
1: r slash Game Theory Pod. Mm. Thank you very much for starting that. Jump on the internet. Talk to people about how you're doing 100% of your job description. You're living your best life. You're improving yourself as a person in ways that may or may not be connected to your job. And you're doing it because you can.
0: That's right. And it's certainly none of your job's business if you if
1: you want to hang out with your kid. Goodbye. All dang right it's not.
0: Recording stopped.